Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm Kathleen Thompson, Progress Texas Executive Director. And I'm Sam Gonzalez, Progress Texas Digital Director. Now, before we get started, some exciting news for us here at Progress Texas. We've been invited to the White House. I don't know how that happened, but it's wonderful news, and we're very excited to tell you about it. That's right, Sam. Texas is considered a major battleground state in 2024, with not only a presidential election, but one with Ted Cruz on the ballot. This is a really great recognition for Progress Texas and the work that we do shaping the progressive narrative in Texas, work that has never been more important than it is right now. And I'll be representing our organization at this meeting with the Biden administration alongside other progressive advocates, elected officials, and community leaders to plan strategy for the coming year. As is the case with most uh, nonprofits, we operate on pretty tight margins. And our motto here at Progress Texas is that we make $1 feel like 100 So we can use any small donation that you might be able to afford to cover any travel costs for this event. So be sure to go to progresstexas.org and hit that donate button at the top to help us represent the Lone Star State at the White House later this month. And as always, we can't do what we do without you. So thank you for your support. Sam, in our last pod, we talked with my rep, State Representative Vinton Jones and Dallas County Democratic Party Chair Colonel Coleman about the hits and misses of this year's legislative session. And one of the biggest hits for progressives that you mentioned was the overwhelming approval of the Crown Act, which has been signed by Governor Greg Abbott and will be the law of the land as of September 1st. Right, KT. The Crown Act is an acronym creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. Now, I don't have any hair, but at this point, this is an overdue measure that prohibits employers, uh, schools, housing providers from discriminating against any Texan on the basis of race-based hair discrimination. So no longer can braids, dreadlocks, twists, and other ethnic hairstyles be used to exclude Texans from work, housing, or education. And as we know, progressives in Texas have to celebrate wins when they come. And we also want to learn as much as we can about how those wins were won. So we're proud to be joined by the bill's primary author, State Representative Retta Bowers, whose 113th district covers much of East Dallas, along with parts of Rowlett, Garland, and Mesquite. Representative Bowers, welcome to the pod. Hi, thank you all so much. Thank you, Kathleen, and thank you, Sam. Thank you all for having me here today. And y'all know we're excited uh, from the top of our crowns to talk about the Crown Act. Sam, thank you for explaining the acronym. I, I usually have to do that. Uh, well, no, we're trying to give you a little bit of a runway here before we get started. So, of course, happy to do so. And Representative Bowers, this bill not only represents a rare win for Texas Democrats, but also a really rare example of broad bipartisan support for any measure presented at the Capitol. And given the hyperpolarization that we've been going through that plagues politics in Texas and pretty much in the United States at this moment, especially mm -hmm. regarding any topic with any racial component, were you surprised at the sweeping support for the Crown Act on both sides of the aisle? You know, it was a pleasant surprise. So I want to I want to take that word and say thank you for for calling it that. It was a pleasant surprise, but it didn't come easily and not as nearly as easy as we thought it should have. Um, people thought for sure some people that were supporters that this is the type of legislation that shouldn't even have to be written, but it certainly did. There's so many millions of Texans in this state that were being discriminated against and. We're being held from promotions. We're being uh, 
changing up their style to just go to an interview or children that were being put in in school suspension and held from important classroom instruction. And so we knew how important it was. Um, and I want to say, Sam, that it, it took two sessions to get it done. But this session's uh, sweep certainly was a sweet surprise. Right. And it was something that the reason why I brought it up on our live show in Dallas is one of my favorite things about the session was one, it was bipartisan. But two, it was something that I experienced and saw growing up in even in California. People talk about California being so liberal. So the the ideal liberal, whatever, right? Blue state. But even then in my grade school, I would see people have uh, be written up for braids. I'd be see, see people written up for, hey man, your afro's too big. You had a big puff, my buddy uh, from high school. And it was like something that, as you mentioned earlier, I can't believe this isn't policy already. I can't believe that we let this go for so long without having it in writing, knowing that it's been a problem. Right. And, and knowing that we're in 2023 and we're still talking about it. Right. So we had to be terribly strategic and focused, uh, laser focused, really, when we came back this session. You know, we introduced it in the 87th. We came back um, with a refile in the 88th. And um, the groundwork was laid. You know, whenever when we got that bill moving this session, some of those uh, instrumental moves that we made in terms of having the crown lapel pins, laying out the the coat cards with the lapel pin to every member on the floor, which meant a lot of times their staff got a hold of them and then they were coming to us. Staff was coming to us asking us, can I get a crown lapel pin? I want to wear out. So that was making the staff talk about it. And I want to say this. We do have a secret weapon. Um, I started a, a little thing during my freshman session that some members pr prior to me have done called Wind Down Wednesdays. And so you better know that was the topic of discussion amongst so many staff members on Wind Down Wednesday. And they were asking for those lapel pins. They were talking to their members um, and wearing them around the Capitol but we also had them to, to roll out in the Senate the same the same way. The other thing is that I cannot and I would be remiss if I didn't say we had so many strong advocates and stakeholders on the ground. So real boots on the ground of people, grassroots people talking uh, to their neighbors and their networks about their experience. And one thing we told people is tell your story. Because as you said, Sam, there's so many people that just were not talking about it publicly. It was a conversation that was had around your kitchen table or at your beauty salon or barbershop and certainly not um, for full display. Um, or you might talk to your girlfriend and say, girl, I got to get my braids out. I got an interview on Monday. Right. Well, I just don't want to go in there like that. Um, and Kathleen, you may even know, like, even for me. Um, I remember being at the nail salon one day. And so just trends like like just how you present. Like I wanted to put some black fingernail polish on it because that was yeah. like really cool, you know, look at one point and trend in, in fashion. And even my nail tech said, well, why don't you wait? She said, why don't you wait till you win your election? She's like, don't, she was like, don't get so she didn't want me to get so forward and out there that it may take away from my look. And I promise you the way I uh, look in the mirror and what I look at now and see that I think is amazing 
because I, I had forgotten my own curl pattern, but um, because I'd started relaxing and straightening my hair at age eight. So I didn't realize that I had these amazing curls anymore. Um, but I would have never walked in the Capitol or in a hearing or on the House floor like this. And I have worn it this way ever since this session. And I'm, I'm proud to, to, to walk in any space. That's so good to hear. Your natural hair is beautiful and it's professional as you are. Thank you. Thank you. With the signing of the law, Texas becomes the 22nd uh, state or jurisdiction to outlaw this kind of discrimination of natural hair. And I know we just followed neighbors, New Mexico and Louisiana. So this has been part of a national effort. Could you tell us who's behind the national effort and how it got started? I'd love to. Um, you know, the the Crown Coalition is a, a group of four African-American women that in Washington that have created this legislation and the lead policy uh, advisor and and writer is Ajua B. Asamoa out of Washington. And she's also my sorority sister. She called me and uh, at the end of my freshman session and she said, you know, Retta, do what do you think about this? You think you would be willing to introduce the Crown Act into Texas? And I said, you know, I just flipped this district and I'm like in the suburbs and you know, like, I don't know if I'm the person to do that. I said, I don't know. But the more we talked about it, I could see the importance and I knew that it was real um, because, you know, even my own daughter, she's got naturally beautiful, naturally curly hair, um, but I never wanted to put a relaxer on her hair and damage that. Um, so so I had my own struggle, but I didn't uh, suffer the same microaggressions that many women, men, and children suffer, whether they are African-American, Afro-Latina, like myself. A lot of people don't know that I have Caribbean heritage. So, and, and I have a, of, of African-American and Caribbean descent. Um, but there are Latinas that, that suffer with it. I, I have a colleague, um, an Anglo female that has curly hair and y'all know her. And probably I love her, um, um, in the Austin area. And, um, she was like, cheering me on like Retta please do yes. this because I wear my hair um like that every day and I'm speaking of the the great Donna Howard oh, um, of course. And, um so she was all on board the first layout uh the surprising thing to me when Sam when you mentioned surprise and sweet you know out of the house committee we got it out unanimously the first layout there was one lone member that voted against it in the 88th coming out of the state affairs committee. And I, I was stung by that one vote. Now, Symphronia Thompson out of Houston, um, affectionately known to all of us as Miss T said mm -hmm. to me, rather don't, don't let that one vote get you. Every people would love to get a 10, one vote. So don't, don't sit with that too long. But I do believe strategically they did not want that bill to have any entry into local and consent calendars and i don't know if y'all know but i'm the vice chair of local so they were like we can't send that to local that needs to go to the floor uh for debate and let the full body uh, have a say and i uh i was i was in agreement i felt like certainly the crown act is deserved deserves to be heard 
right? By the full body. Um, and to come out of the house 143 to five was just unheard of. Um, that wasn't even, I don't think, the first vote. I think it shifted a little from Thursday, from second reading to third reading. Um, 143 to five is where we landed. Um, and then out of the Senate, y'all, 29 to one. So it surprised me. Um, but it, I'll tell you what, I walked away from the front mic and my colleagues, Republican colleagues said, Ready, you had to know we were with you. And I said, how am I supposed to? That's never a guarantee. <laughs> right, right. Y'all, you know, so, and like you said, Sam, um, something like the Crown Act that I have to continue to say, it is, it. they don't realize it, but it touches on DEI. And we know that DEI was on the table and chopping block this session. So I think that the Crown Act was the best vehicle for us to begin those discussions on anti, anything anti-discrimination and for sure to eradicate racism. And that was part of the discussion of why it's so important in those small conversations that you have, those barbershop, the salon conversations that we know exist. We know that we have to present. I'll do another one that's a little bit of a sidestep. Um, my father said no tattoos because you can't get a job. You know, and, and tattoos now are an extreme form of expression for a lot of people. And a lot of people have them and it doesn't change their professional nature. However, I've lived my life with no tattoos because of that upbringing. Things like that are common, are expressed from... Or a second hole. Uh, my father wouldn't let me get a second earring, a second right. hole. Uh -huh, you know, and that's not even anything I could have even considered because every person I know has four or five at this point. Things <laughs> change, right? Things right. advance and, and they upgrade and they uh, evolve. Here at the halfway point, a quick note of thanks for listening to the Progress Texas Happy Hour podcast. We're proud to say you've helped us build our podcast into one of the top 10% of the most widely heard podcasts in the world. Kind of mind-blowing, but true, and one of the top progressive political podcasts here in Texas. We couldn't have done all of this without you listening and sharing episodes, so thank you for that. We believe that information is power. Our podcast features insider analysis with a lighthearted take on major issues, events, and players in Texas politics. We've interviewed elected officials, foreign policy experts, activists, and candidates in a panel format that brings gender and ethnic diversity and always seeks to give listeners a reason to keep coming back for more. After we wrap today, please help us keep our podcast ad-free and accessible to all listeners with a donation at progresstexas.org. Find the link in the show notes. Part of this and, and having it kind of being a stronghold, foothold for DEI conversations is going to be something that this is going to influence further down the line. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And I'm excited to see. Specifically, this moment, though, uh, being a new foothold for these types of conversations, it's a rare learning opportunity. Even though the goal of the bill was something that was so obviously the right thing to do, Representative Bowers, can you talk us through the process of like the negotiations or the inside discussions that led to the passage? You mentioned, obviously, you weren't sure if everybody was on your side. You mentioned you had a little bit of a branding situation with the pins, right? Something even as small as that. Do you think there are ideas or strategies that Texas Democrats and progressives can learn for future uh, use here? Wow, that that's 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 amazing and huge that you that you would lay that out like that. I, Sam, I I want to say this because I know that it's just scratch. We just scratched the surface with the Crown Act. I knew 
that the Crown Act is the entry point uh, for for future work. Um, my some of my colleagues and more senior than myself, I had to tell them like the Crown Act touches on DEI, and they were like, "Well, Retta, what what are you going to do when?" The governor or they, the leadership gives us the Crown Act, but they take away DEI. And I said, well, that's the last thing that I want to have. I said, but I need you to know that this is about engagement, full, fully, full acceptance, freedom and liberty. And, and so whose words are those? We don't use right. liberty and freedom. But once we started using their language, Mm-hmm. Then it start. They started going. Wait, yeah, it's freedom, right? That's and, right. Then, <laughs> right and, yeah. So they, they, they never. Uh, they, of course, um, that those words were palatable to them, right? Right. And and uh, and the one thing I told um, some of the advocates that were supporters in the eighty seventh and in the eighty eight is there was no way that we could go in and 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 I could go in and present angry right like right. i i couldn't come off as like i'm an angry black woman and this is why right like, i had to come i had to as you said kathleen and thank you for the compliment i had to come in as myself but as professional as i always try to present and mm-hmm. i had to let them realize i think the b- most beautiful thing that we did from the 87th to the 88th is that i told them in the 87th if I wet my hair, it's going to curl up. And then I, I'm Retta, your, your colleague, am going to be subject to the same type of discrimination that I am fighting to prevent. And 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 then I came back and I said, okay, y'all, here I am in the layout. And I said, I told you this is what would have happened. And now some of my, my um, caucus members, like Black caucus members and female members were like, telling me things like, you don't have to wear your hair natural retta to pass the Crown Act. And I said, yes, I do. And I said, if I, if I, um, and that's why it was true transformational change, even with me. So this was the second time that I tried to go natural in this journey. The first time I failed, I had to cut my hair off. I went back to a relaxer and then through the pandemic, I was forced to go full on natural and some of my colleagues were like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that's what you were doing. Because they, they saw the change. They saw it out. And, and before their eyes, like everybody else, and they were like, you don't have to do that. And I said, yes, I do. I can't. Because people were asking me on discussions just like this podcast today, like your podcast. They would say, well, Representative Bowers, are you experiencing any uh uh microaggressions and discrimination and i would say no because you know i was straightening my hair kathleen right you know, I, I had a, a a pretty clean cut bob and you know i was not no no one was bothering me until guess what until i did this and y'all saw me do the big chop like cut my hair down and grow it back it wasn't even this long last year and i remember Walking back into the Capitol and I walked in my committee hearing and the, the chairman stopped the whole hearing and started talking about my hair. And it was the most insulting thing, you all, because we were talking about the shooting in Uvalde. Wow. 
Goodness. And I said, absolutely not. I said, you're not going to stop this hearing and stop the, what we're talking about to talk about my hair. I said, we certainly can, we'll have that conversation when the day comes, but not today. I was so upset because I was like, this is not the time nor the place to talk about my curly hair and what I've done with it and let it stop a hearing about something as important. as that. And that's the thing when you're talking about it, how would they even know if it's not a lived experience of, of their own, right? It's if they're not in that community, if they're not in the African-American community or even Afro-Latino community or curly-haired community, right? If it's like I have sisters with curly hair. I know every morning I had to wait for them to finish <laughs> to, to get everything situated. And then I get to shower, get ready for school. I'm late. So I know. But if you don't have that as part of your lived experience, how could you possibly know that you go through so many processes, so many treatments, so many things to present hair a certain way that was deemed professional? And now you can just let it be do the things that you need to do, the, the very basics to let it be as it is, right? And and how they didn't even know. They didn't even think. They didn't even consider. Anglo male colleagues of mine in the house knelt down by my desk during the 87th and said and apologized. I said, Retta, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know that this was even a type of discrimination, and I, but I'm probably guilty of it, and I'm sorry. And you absolutely have my support. And so to answer y'all's question about how did I, how did I, it happen? And what were those, those discussions like? A lot of members coming back the 88th thought, they thought we passed it in the 87th because we, we had worked so hard uh, during the 87th. And so they were like, what do you mean, Red? I thought we passed that already. What are you talking about? And I said, no, no. So I knew that it was a re, you know, it was a, a, reintroduction, uh, another layer of education, uh, an education for some new members, for sure. Um, but there were so many of my Republican colleagues that thought it was already passed that that they they were like, well, sure, you got it. And, and the other thing was we had to have bipartisan support on those JAs. I couldn't have done it without, I had, of course, Tony Rose, Representative Rose, Representative Reynolds, uh, Representative Carl Sherman, and I had Representative Brad Buckley. And there's no way that I could have done it without that because there was one pretty far right Republican toward the end that was having a conversation with me about hair. Um, and he didn't he couldn't hear it coming from me. My, the D was so large and pronounced and strong on my chest that he was like, she, what, I don't know what you're talking about. So, so you know what I told him? I said, well, go talk to, uh, go talk to Chair, Chair Buckley. He, he, he's my joint author. Maybe he can get you to see what I'm talking about. I said, and he supported me from day one with this. So he went to him and sure enough, he signed on and voted yes. So it definitely, there were strategic plays. Um, you know, I, I I came full force with the plan. And I, and I want to say this, you know, my staff, I, I could not have done it without previous staff uh, from the 87th through the summer, through that, that election cycle. We continued to talk about it across the state. We left the 87th with the plan and idea to 
do a state tour, make sure that municipalities, local government, governmental bodies were passing their own versions of the Crown Act in the state of Texas. And that certainly helped. Dallas was the last one to get on. And I was like, I really need my home city and, you know, area. If they would get on board, that would help me. But I mean, Austin, I think Harris County passed it first. Harris County passed it before we got out of the 87th regular session. Then Austin, city of Austin came on board. San Antonio was doing it, uh, their own version. Flu, and they're still working on it, but Pflugerville passed it. Um, Dallas County and the city of Dallas finally came on board. Um, and it's it's still, you know, feverishly working its way across the state. But now that it's passed at the state level, and like you said, Kathleen, will be enacted September 1st, uh, I think I think people know that it, it only makes sense to revise their policies. And, you know, we're working with members of the State Board of Education to make sure they are uh, looking at all the ISD policies so they're up, up to date. Um, so... I mean, we just have to make sure because it's not going to stop it from happening, but we just have to make sure that people know and in these human resource departments on companies that they know and corporations that they know how to implement it. And Representative Bowers, I think we can imagine what the basis for opposing your bill might have been from a typical Republican mindset in spite of overwhelming support. Um, You didn't mention any names, but... um, for the people who did, for the Republican lawmakers who did vote against the Crown Act for the purpose of understanding the opposition, what do you think led them to a no vote? I really think it was lack of understanding um, and compassion. Uh, you know, we, we just have to go there. Um, they, anything that's anti what they be, their beliefs, they're not going to go with it. So, um I looked at those people that voted against the Crown Act, and I and I'll tell you, I didn't have to say anything. Um, on social media, they they were being called racist, flat out racist, and I didn't have to say a word. I found it late in the night. I didn't even know it was out there like that, and people were after them like that. But one of them, I will say, uh, since you brought it up. He tried to he he almost knocked me down coming in the Capitol the next day. And I was like, well, doggone, maybe that's why. Maybe because he was flat out being called a racist. But um, I don't know. It's some, you know, it's it's policy that I for sure didn't know how you could vote against. It it seems so easy to me. I think the five, you know, they they're they can't remain nameless because it's already out there and it's public. Um but they did not, um, some of them aren't, aren't, I don't even know, well, some of them aren't even in the house anymore, but they, they weren't happy with me at all because the community rose up. You see what I mean? Like, I didn't have to say anything. So it, they showed themselves with their vote, which is what, a lot of times what we do as members. Right. And that's the thing with the community mobilizing, you know, the expectations from constituents saying, hey, no, this is something we want and we're going to let it be known that we want it. We're going to, you know, call you racist when you are acting in a way that is reflective of such uh, opinions. But with all of that and with the moves that you've made, you've energized us with this success, Rep Bowers. So 
the next move, we've, we've got this done. We can pat ourselves on the back. And it is a very good congratulatory pat ourselves on the back because this should have just been something that was a layup. This should have just been something that was easy. But all good things are earned, you know, through grit and through determination. So what's the next thing on your, you know, administrative legislative journey that is going to take us some grit, some time, and hopefully not as much as the Crown Act? What's the next thing? Well, I mean, some of those things I've mentioned, there's there's one thing that I, I must mention before I move into that. But I want to say that the, the Texas Crown Act does match the federal bill. So it is identical to the federal bill. And I need to say that because I said this yesterday, that the, the nation needs to know if we can pass the Crown Act in Texas, we can pass it anywhere. So I right. look forward, you know, Texas, it's a non-voting state. I wouldn't refuse to call it a red state. Um, but it's a non-voting state with with true deep red leadership. And we know if we can pass it here and we can get it signed um, into law, then certainly uh, it can it can spread and pass across the nation and people not be afraid to match that federal bill, because I think that's what some states have been uh, a little bit timid about. Like they don't want to align too closely with the federal legislation. So when you asked me that question, and we talked about it a little bit, that this was really, it is, it does really relate to DEI. It, it is, uh, we have only scratched the surface. There's so much work to be done. And I think moving forward, um, people want to see the legislation uh, not only pass, but be implemented. So we have to be careful. We're also looking for uh, cases that may pop up uh, from here. Um, and what what we do, but beyond that, uh, we have to still look at diversity, equity, and inclusion. We know that people with that funding cut in our higher uh, uh, institutions and, and of education, we people have lost their jobs. I was I I I cannot sleep right now at night because there was a, a journalism professor that I was reading up on, and I know the Black Caucus will certainly take up her plight, but. Uh, her job and contract went from a five-year contract down to one, one year, uh, kind of like a pilot program, just because she had done work with DEI. So there's so much anti-discrimination um, legislation when we're in a polarized, divisive society that is certainly being rolled back retroactively. So we have an uphill battle, but I am certainly looking for any injustices that are out there that I can work on and present next session. And, you know, with the opportunity to come back next session, uh, I do believe now that my Republican colleagues have, have seen that I can carry legislation like that and bring it through to fruition with good people and advocates and supporters behind me um, from both sides of the aisle, I think they may be more open to these discussions. And I'm certainly glad to lead in this area and champion this and and be the vehicle that even my colleagues, the person they come to um, when these discussions are had. Yeah, I've been following um, the Texas A&M story and uh, um, I hope that there's some kind of uh, change 
there at the administrative level. It's ridiculous. I saw Roland Martin's tweets about it, and I've been following along, and I hope that there's a, a resolution that sh she deserves. Yes, thank you. I mean, I, uh, Kathleen, I was up reading uh, up on it last night as well, and, you know, I already know that the caucus is aware, the Black Caucus, and we're uh, certainly ready to stand strong with her. Uh, Representative Breda Bowers, before we let you go, where can people follow you online? Absolutely. Um, you can go to most all social media platforms, whether that's Facebook or Twitter. It's at Retta 4 hd 113 and that's for spelled out, F-O-R. Um, but on 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 Facebook, so on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Retta 4 hd 113 I had to change my Facebook because it got hacked. So it's at Retta for Texas. Let me share. I'd, I'd yeah. be remiss if I didn't share my website. You can go to RettaBowers.com and certainly find out how to support any legislation, get involved, to volunteer, to register voters or whatever we need to do to to make sure that that people are properly represented because I know representation matters. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thanks again to State Representative Retta Bowers, the primary author of the Texas Crown Act, the law across the state as of the end of August. So, Representative Bowers, we hope to have you back soon. Thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks to Digital Director Sam Gonzalez. And listeners, thank you. Please head over to ProgressTexas.org and subscribe to our email list. Keep us accessible with a donation of any amount, and don't forget to follow us on socials. And once again, Progress Texas has been invited by the Biden administration to take part in a strategic conference for 2024 later this month in D.C., and we could use help covering travel expenses, and small donations are very helpful. Click the Donate button at the top of our website, and thank you for your support. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and please leave us a review. Stay cool out there, everybody. Bye. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.